welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. I've been doing this podcast since September of 2012, and boy, are my lips tired. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Indeed we are, and I, I just got off doing a uh, special edition, uh, another Crypto Skeptic episode that will be published around the same time this is being published. And uh, Corey and I were talking about it before we got going here, and, and I got to tell you, I mean, it's, it's a tough time for anybody who's invested in that market. But for those of us who are kind of looking from the outside in saying, yeah, okay, this is what we were warning you about, it, it's just fun to watch. So I, I don't like to gloat over somebody else's pain. But on the other hand, there's the piece of me that says it had to work out the way it's working out. I mean, how else could it have worked out? Oh, uh, yeah. It's uh. those four words I told you so. You know, they just, it, it's, <laughs> well, I try not to use those words because I, I don't want to, I don't want to rub it into somebody. You know, that's uh, not my goal. Especially but, the uh, guy that, that, that decided to day trade on it, you know, like, uh, last year and made a bazillion dollars in 24 hours and thought that that was going to continue on. But that's a rare. Well, well, I was thinking about day trading, but I wanted to sell it short. <laughs> oh, okay. there, you go. there you go that might have been a good call yeah right i wish i kind of wish i had done that one you know but, yeah, oh well. yeah, yeah. Wow. but anyway yeah. Corey lane hilton so first of all this is our third visit and it's really good to have you back um oh, we had you. so much fun the first two visits that we just had to have you back for a third one um but <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you saw the promo that i wrote up for this but but we were laughing so much with our last visit that we almost peed our pants so we had to have you oh. back <laughs> yeah, you know, and, 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 and I don't, you know, there's, there's not, there's no intent to make anyone pee their pants, but at the same time, naturally flows sometimes, pardon the pun, it tends to work well. And, and I, I just actually, you know, it's funny, I wouldn't want to mention this right off the hop. Well, and I've done a lot of podcasts. I mean, I'm not going to deny it. I've been uh, all over this podcast tour since I think January or so. And this one and, and, and actually, um, Debbie's as well have both been like, I've met so many great people within your little community of this podcast. And, and it's really interesting because I had already met some people previous to being on LOA today that you have on. Like mm-hmm. as actual hosts. And so it was just very interesting to see Dan and see a few of the others that I know, sure. knew before, but had no idea that you guys were connected. So, hey, the beauty of the podcast world, right? I mean, you know. You yeah. Oh, yeah. It, well, not just the podcast world, the Internet world. I mean, it has totally. the, it, it, the interconnectedness, all the little threads just keep growing and building and increasing in oh, number. Yeah. And, and yeah. We, we really do find out how interconnected we are on this planet day by day. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting to me because, like, um, I, you know, obviously, um, if anybody wants to know out there, I'm a former male exotic dancer and author. I basically am a writing coach now that helps other authors out to write authentically. And I have a publishing company now that helps out through that whole process. If somebody's writing a memoir in particular, I like to really work with them to really help them out to really just find the best part of themselves to put out the best possible product that they can based off their authenticity. So there's a real great gratification that comes with that territory, right? But at the same time, like, you know, it's interesting to me because I, yes, I, this is what I've done, but I've been on podcasts where it's been based on grief, for example. Uh, mm-hmm, there's a sure. great podcaster out of Australia that was, that does one called The Grief Code. And, and, and I met this man, Ian Hawkins, through there. And you know what? It was amazing because mm-hmm. I never would have normally jumped into that type of a genre, but I'm so glad that I did because then I actually was able to have him do a session with me just one-on-one for free. We didn't even, he didn't charge me anything for it, but we actually dove really deep into my own personal past wow. to kind of release some stuff that I didn't even realize that I was still grieving. Yeah. Over. So it's right. really a cool thing. Sometimes it just kind of happens just because you put yourself out there, you know? And I think that's well, a yeah. 
I, I mean, we all have our topics. I mean, this is nominally sure. about law of attraction. We almost, we don't talk all that much about law of attraction. We bring it up occasionally, but it, the, the, the entire show is not about law of attraction. And I yeah. think this is kind of indicative of what happens with podcasts in general. Everybody has their little niche that they start with, but what sure. ends up happening over time, especially if you do your podcast for a while, you kind of, you know, you, you, you work through the topic. It's like you've done it. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do next? Well, you start stretching it out. You start kind of expanding out to the wider areas of life. And as you yes. do that, you make new contacts with people. So that's how you ended up talking to a grief specialist on, her, on his yeah. or her podcast. And what you found was, regardless of whether or not they were into grief and you, and you had this other background, you found ways to connect. The you found ground. ways, common ground. And yes. that's what's happening. And not, I mean, podcasting is a big area where that's happening, but it's happening in all ways on the net. People are finding yes. common ground with other people that they didn't know existed before. And right. they're not only finding the people that they didn't know existed before, they're forming friendships. They're forming totally. connections that would not have existed. And then you end up with a male stripper on your show. Yeah. What more could you ask for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one thing that I love about my former career is that I just, I, I, as serious as I did take it when I was doing it, now that I'm out of it and I've been out of it for a long time, I don't take it seriously at all. In fact, I'm constantly joking about it. But at the same time, I do really want, people to understand how serious I am about where I'm at in my current position and really trying to make a, a difference so that people don't go through a lot of the struggles that I quite frankly went through. Right. And sure. it's, that's, that's typical of a lot of self-help people. They say, Oh yeah, you know, write a book about the, what you were before and what problems that you had before and address those. And then that's how you can teach the world. Well, there's a truth behind that. But yeah. the, the thing that I found really, my, I'm just rambling here, but the thing that I found was, is, is that, a lot of people that, that say they should write a book, like, you know, I said that for years myself, oh, I should write a book. <laughs> well, a lot of those people, they actually are dealing with unworthiness because they're actually looking at themselves and they're saying, oh, well, my story has no value. Nobody's going to be interested in what I had to say or yeah. what, what my past is. Why would anybody care about that? And I actually said that about my former career. I think we all have it one time or another. I mean, that's yeah. just part of growing up a human being. Yeah, yeah, for sure, right? It's that self-doubt thing and the inner critic that's constantly in your head. Right. But, exactly. I mean, that's never going to go away for me. I already know that. I've dealt with that. Me and him are cool, are cool now. So it's just sort of one of those things where the law of attraction does come into play, though, because that positive energy really, in my eyes anyways, just – and I'm – you know, I'm spiritual and I do have my, my, my religion belief, I guess you could say is more so geared towards energy. I don't put a label on it, but mm -hmm. it's my own personal perspective. But the one thing that I have learned through this whole process, the biggest thing that I've learned through this whole process, and especially this last couple of years has really been to really reach out and try to understand and relate to other people's perspectives because they didn't see life through yeah. the same eyes as I did. Right. So you got to, and, and, you know, I might completely disagree. I might be talking to somebody about maybe crypto and say, you know, he's like sitting there saying it's the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm sitting right. there thinking it's the worst thing ever, but <laughs> I want to understand why he thinks that way. Yes. And so, but the for people that drive me the craziest are those spin doctors that never get down to it. They just sit there, they keep spinning away from your question. And then you're in the news. They're typical of this. They never, they've always let them just spin away. And I've had a few of them as guests on the show too, as I think you, you know very well. And, and it's always a challenge when you're inter interviewing somebody like that, because as the interviewer, you are trying to pin them down. You're trying to get them, okay, address this topic. This is very important. And yes. like you say, they kind of spin away from it because they don't want to address it. No. 
No. It's uncomfortable no. to address it. Why would they want to do something that's uncomfortable? Well, yeah, especially if it's not really within the regular society's morality and integrity, so to speak. Well, that makes it even harder, yes. I yeah. Mean, a former male not... exact dancer would totally understand that point. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because, like, everybody – I was even just on a um, coaching call this morning because I'm, I'm actually planning to do a TEDx event, and I'm actually working really hard oh, to wow. gather a, my 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 – I guess you could say speech and, and, but it's not necessarily based off of my stripping career. Um, yes, that is my uniqueness, but at the same time, I'm kind of focusing more on the, the need for society, especially right now, more than ever with our disconnected side through connectivity, so to speak. Um, always looking at screens instead of actually talking to each other. Although we're looking at a screen, we're still talking to one There are There are benefits to it. I mean, it's it's like any other tool. Yeah. Sometimes there's a good side, sometimes there's a not so good side. Yeah, but the, the thing that I've found that I've been able to really help a lot of my authors out with now is just basically that, that when it comes down to, to having that personal connection with somebody, each person, whether there be an author or yourself as a podcaster or whatever, you have your own unique set of core values. You have your own unique set of feelings that are associated with those. So that's sure. what I love about this challenge is, is that every single client that I'm dealing with is a snowflake. And I, I'm kind of diving in there and getting in the weeds and saying, okay, you know, like, how did this impact your life when this happened? And, and, and how did you feel at that point? You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and was that something that was compromising one of your core values? And then we kind of dive into mm-hmm. that and then they kind of connect those dots. They're like, holy shit. Yeah, it did. You know, and that's where that self discovery journey becomes far more than just writing a book. It turns into a life lesson, you know, and, and for myself, anyways, that's why I'm so bloody passionate about this because I've had my own set of life left lessons through my crazy book that I wrote. But now I'm actually seeing this crazy um, side of it where the people in my life that have maybe read the book or saw me living my authentic lifestyle now are seeing me as a role model and they're doing the same thing. And Mm -hmm. that's where I'm like, oh, my God, this gives me a reason to get out of bed every day now. Right. I could do this for the rest of my life if I could make that kind of an impact because that's, you know, changing a person's life. It's a funny thing because we humans, I mean, this is something that has been known for generations humans are very interested in conflict that's what the basis of what mm. storytelling is storytelling is all about the conflict that's right. we're, we're interested in, in contrasting situations good things happen bad things happen we're interested yep. in all that kind of thing but what has it what it's kind of evolving into now in in this 21st century technology age is a shift in a sense. It's not like we've, we've lost interest in the old storytelling. We haven't. We still, I mean, if anything, it's accentuated. Yes. But in addition to that, we're now all, we're, we're all realizing that we have our own stories in that same genre, if you can call that a genre, in that same realm of we've all experienced the downs, we've all experienced the ups, sure. and now we're sharing those stories with each other. And in the yeah. process of sharing those stories with each other, a few things very important are happening. We describe it as being connect, more connected with each other, and we are. We're becoming more connected. But that connection is validating ourselves. Yes. It's validating our experiences. And you know, I have my experience was a different experience from yours, but, boy, there are certain commonalities to them. And we sure. can both see those commonalities and, like, oh, wow, now I feel validated in what I experienced because I, I don't have to just – get excited about celebrating the success i can actually appreciate the failure side of it too because my friend Corey had a failure side and we both experienced a failure side all of a sudden it feels differently 
bang on nail on the head Walt. I mean, I said this a thousand times. I, I, I'm one of those crazy people, you know, that, uh, the hippy dippy that sits there and does all my gratitude every morning. Right. And I write out usually five to 10. I try to write out different and, and make it a different thing I'm grateful for every day to kind of just set my day. And a lot of the time it's not the positive. In fact, I'll, I'll even say it like it, it could be the pain in my lower back from from doing landscaping yesterday and picking up something that, that was too heavy <laughs> for me. And that alarm is going off in my lower yeah. back and telling me, hey, man, you don't need to be doing that right now. Pay I'm attention. Grateful. Right. So I'm grateful that alarm is there. Danger, right? so what, Will Robinson. <laughs> yeah, right. Or maybe the struggle going through divorce or whatever it is. And all of, let's face it, people want to read the mess in the message when they're reading a book. They want to hear that pain. Of they course. want to hear that hurt. They want to, you know, you ride off into the sunset with the girl at the end of the book. Well, that's all right, but that's not going to sell. They want to hear about the hard stuff, you know, and it's yeah. sort of like, it's, it's funny. I almost think back to that movie Basic Instinct many years mm. ago when I think about writing because, um, you know, obviously you're familiar with it, but, uh, the, the, the interesting part was is the Sharon Stone character was, of course, the author. And then the Michael Douglas character was the cop, right? And he's, you know, all in love with her and all that. It's the conflict with all that. But the thing that I found interesting, the one line that stood out was, that he was trying to say, oh, well, we're, we can just, you know, I, I don't want to say it. Well, we're going to ride off into the sunset and screw like rabbits is kind of like what he was going <laughs> to say, right? And, and it was like, she's like, that's not going to work. Somebody mm. has to die, right? And it's sort of that negative twist. People like it, the misery loves company thing. People want to read about it. That's why, the, to me, that's why I kind of, my mom, who, God love her, I, you know, like she she passed away now, but I'm just saying back when I was a kid, she used to be, she was famous for sitting there in the, in the living room, reading her star magazine and national Enquirer, <laughs> telling me all the things that are real about the aliens that are going to be coming. And I believe in aliens, but at the same time, like, you know, it's just one of those things that's kind of funny. It's like, she's seen little green men literally coming in the front door tomorrow. So it's right. one of those things that, you know, there's so much disinformation out there now and I've seen that expand now. National, now the National Enquirer and the Star have turned into Facebook and Instagram. And, <laughs> That's a good way of describing it, actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and also a couple of news organizations in particular, which I don't even want to go into. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's like that has actually given us this, this, this false side of society where it's kind of like I, I just kind of see it like, a lot of the things that, that, that a lot of people get away with now in the, or I should say maybe not get away with now because a camera's right in their face. Back mm. when I was being born, that camera wasn't in our face. Right. So I, I wonder, you know, was, you know, when you think back to Nixon or you think back to JFK or the scandals that happened in that era, was that just, was that just scratching the surface? Like if we had the technology sure. that we have today, what would that story be like? Oh back? God, yes. I'm, well, now, now you're swinging into my wheelhouse because my background was was political history. I okay, mean, okay. That, uh, oh, the answer to your question is a resounding yes. That is just yeah. scratching the surface. That was that was truly business as usual. I mean, it, yeah. it came to the forefront and came to the the public consciousness in a way that it had never done before. But right. that was that. I mean, look, if you really want to actually freak yourself out about this kind of thing, read up on the um, the, the political powerhouses of the 19th century. Read about oh. Tammany Hall in New York, for instance. I mean, it, it'll scare the daylights out of you. It'll make you sick to yeah. your stomach. But you'll say, oh, my God, you know, Watergate was a walk in the park compared to what some of these guys were doing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that, that's why you're kind of seeing, uh, like I said, I'm not going to talk from political ideology here because I don't want to piss off one side or the other because we are so tribal now, but at the same time, you know, it's kind of like you're kind of seeing that kind of stuff kind of bubbling up right as we're speaking right now in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, right? Like you can only pull that, that, that bullshit lever so, so long and then eventually <laughs> going to come and bite you. And I just have a funny feeling that zit's coming to a head here pretty soon. So, but, you know. <laughs> Interesting way of describing it. Yes. I, I had a guest on just yesterday, I think it was, who uh, made a really interesting point where it was a different conversation entirely. Um, but he was involved in a lot, creating a lot of the reality TV shows. Okay. Um, he, he, his career, he was a, a, a town exec with MTV and okay. he was involved with, with like a lot of the, uh, uh, the real housewives type things. He was involved with the Ozzy Osbourne show that oh, I can't remember what they cool. called that one. Yeah, um, yeah. and he, he made a very interesting way. He said that, uh, Ozzy Osbourne was originally supposed to be a food show. It was supposed oh. to be making food because Ozzy likes to, cook food yeah. and they, they got away from that and did it the way they ended up doing it but they, one of the reasons they were going to do that is because in their massive research that they do they found a data point that said that when there's a refrigerator shown on camera the viewers want to know what's inside the refrigerator wow <laughs> isn't that interesting, that interesting. <laughs> so so i bring this up as a way of kind of you know giving exposition to the idea that we're moving beyond conflict Conflict isn't going away. No. Negative isn't going away. Positive isn't going. It, that's all going to remain. But we're kind of taking it to the next step because now we now we want to know what what's made for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And ironically, you know, back back to Star Magazine and freaking Facebook. You know, I remember the funniest thing. I still chuckle about this to this day, actually, because I've done a lot of Facebook posts over the years, and it's. But I, I still look back, and it's ironic that you said that about the refrigerator, because the funny thing is, is the the one Facebook post that I had that made got the most comments. Oh, this is on my personal page, but it was just sort of like the one that got the most comments, bar none, in my entire decade of being on Facebook was. <laughs> Who can guess what I had for breakfast today? <laughs> yeah, sure. Exactly. I shit you not. There was, I can't even I tell you it. how many. And the irony was, is that it took, uh, it took like 150 or 160 comments. And finally my ex-wife was the one that pinpointed it. And she was the one that nailed it on the head because <laughs> he's like, Corey, you've eaten the same breakfast for 10 years now. <laughs> like, okay, cool. <laughs> so it's just funny, right? You look back at that, it's like, wow. But no, it's it's an interesting dynamic because I, I always, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, we're at that age, right? Where you, when you're born before the internet and you kind of wonder to yourself sometimes, was it better then or is it better now? Because there's an aspect of it that in my eyes is kind of like, it is kind of better now because yes, the the corruption and all the stuff kind of bubbles up to the top because it's right in your face all the time. And there's certain things that, but that same tool is being used for so much disinformation on the other side that it's almost like it's a, that, it's a, that double-edged sword, right? It's like, it's, I don't know. To me, it's- well, one, one of the people listening in the live stream, Jeffrey, who's one of our longtime listeners, he, he raised a question in this regard. He says, have we experienced conflict fatigue? Yeah, I'd say so, Jeffrey. Yeah, I, I've, I'm definitely over it. To be mm-hmm. honest, and that's why I'm working so hard to stop to make it so that my little bubble in this world is kind of not being so tribal. So I can kind of say to those people that I love, you know, like there's some people that I think are so cool. I mean, I lived in the States for over a decade and I, 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 I love so much about America, even though I live in Canada. Like I, I, but I've honestly had times where I've looked at myself and thought to myself, my God, 
I'm more patriotic than half of the bloody Americans down there. <laughs> and they're the ones that are sitting there in patriotic all the time and waving the flag, saying they're the best country in the world. And they are in a lot of ways the best country in the world. But, you know, I don't know. I'll be honest with you, Walt. I've been living back here in Canada for a long time now. And I hate to tell you, but we're a lot more free up here. <laughs> I love it. That's we're great. a little more free up here. Uh, I love it. I don't want anybody else to find out. You know, well, we won't, we won't, we'll, we'll whisper it so that the word doesn't get out. Yeah. Yeah. But Canada's <laughs> not far from freaking perfect. Let's just put it that way. I got a lot of gripes I can say about Canada too, but you know, it, that's the thing, man, is, is that I kind of look at it like when I think back, like in, and, and think back through all the generations of politics that I've seen through God, my entire life, whether it be here in Canada or the States or wherever, generally I've never met or even heard of a, a perfect politician that actually does everything the right way everybody's got some gripe about something with with some politician out there and so we're we're like we're so at that point where the, the this person farts in the wrong direction and it's like banish culture you know cancel that person completely because they did they they did that and it's like whoa 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 like it's okay to be wrong you know like you can you can accept being wrong and it, you know and and I think to tell you the truth, it takes more of a man to actually accept that they're wrong mm. and, and, and say, Hey, you know what? I made a mistake, whatever. But you just never see that because it's a sign of weakness. And to me, it's like, no, not at all. Like there, there's a phrase though. There's a, there's a phrase that's been around for, again, for many years, generations. Um, and the phrase is growing a thick skin. It's usually yeah. used associated with sales. It's often used with yep. a lot of different kinds of, of fields of, of, um, you know, business and, and, uh, employment. But it also applies outside of the, the business world. Very often it, it's involved with, you know, dealing with your own family members or it could be a, a very close friend you've, you've been friends with for years and the, the friend is kind of moving in the wrong direction compared to you and he's giving you a lot of grief that he wouldn't normally have given you and, Got to grow a thick skin. Well, that, that, what we're really saying with growing a thick skin is getting to the point where we're not letting what other people think about us get through and, and affect us negatively. I mean, not that we're ignoring it. It's, it's there. We're aware of it. We're taking note of it. We're just not worried about it. We're just saying, I'm not going to get excited about that thing. And, and that's a mental process that you learn. It's not something that you're necessarily born with. It's something that you acquire over time. But it's a very beneficial process. I think that's exactly what's going on online in particular, but also with the broader community. I think people are learning to grow thicker skins. And the the thing is, when you're growing a thicker skin during that process, stuff hurts because the skin isn't thick yet, but it's getting there. I, I, I'm that guy that stands on the outside and goes onto Facebook and doesn't make any comments. And I just scroll down through the comments just to look at what everybody's saying. And I just shake my head sometimes. <laughs> my skin's thick, but I don't even want to dive in that pool because like I got better things to do with my day than argue with some yeah. kid that's 12 years old pretending to be 25 right now. So like, you know, I, you don't know, like, Again, it's just, to me, that whole thing is just so impersonal and I may be old school and maybe I like a phone call instead of a text. You know, maybe that's just because, you know, texts are impersonal and can be so taken out of context so easily. And, you know, I've had it happen myself, right? Even sometimes if I shoot a text at somebody now, I'll actually, believe it or not, if it's something really important, I'll shoot it to myself first to see what it feels like to actually take the text. Because mm. sometimes you just never know what's going through that other person's head. You might shoot off something to somebody in their, you know, 
thinking the wrong thing. So, yeah. I, actually, I think we're all kind of learning a, a skill here. I know I am. I'll speak for myself in this, but I suspect other people are learning the same skill, and that is to look at a text or an email, which is out of context because you don't get the body language. You're not That's seeing right. them. You're not hearing them. It's not, you're not experiencing all that stuff. You just got one little piece of information there that you're working off of. Mm-hmm. And and yet we, we, we're getting to the point now where we can look at and say, okay, there are a lot of different mindsets this person could have. What are some yeah. of them? If I can identify what they are, I can kind of accept where they're coming from. I don't have to agree with it. In many mm. cases, I definitely don't agree with it, but I can accept it. Like, well, well, you know, they're just, they're, they're having a bad day. They, you know, their, their mom treated them badly. Their spouse treated them badly. They, they treated the spouse badly. They kicked the dog. I mean, it, yeah. there's all kinds of possibilities and we, we can kind of infer from many messages that we receive what's going on and, and we might even be wrong. But the yeah. point is, just by going through that exercise, that's the process of growing a thick skin. Because oh, yeah. when we change the way we think about something, I, th- I think what happens is when, when when you get like a cancel culture kind of a response, that's a person who is looking at things from one viewpoint only. Yeah, the moment tough. you start adding viewpoints in is the moment that the cancel culture goes away because yeah. the person who's engaged in it no longer needs it. You know, man, I, I always kind of come back to comedy with this, right? Because, like, you know, we're seeing a lot of the comedians right now that are getting, you know, the cancel culture hitting them pretty hard. I mean, you know, everybody from Dave Chappelle on down, right? Yep. And it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm raised in the Archie Bunker generation and the George Jefferson <laughs> generation, right? And, I mean, like, I, I think to myself, I mean, God, if some of those people that are looking to cancel Dave Chappelle for talking about what he was talking about, and I get it, I understand the reasoning behind it, I do, mm-hmm. I respect it and everything else, I'm not here to dog that, but at the same time, I think if they watch an episode of All in the Family, their head would probably explode, because it's like, you sure. know, that's real, and that was really the way that the mentality really truly was at that time. Now, is that better or worse? To me, sometimes I kind of go, hmm. You know, like it's as, as much as, as Archie was a, was a, was what he was, they also showed the good side of Archie too, right? Like the, the heart of Archie. And you, so you actually kind of loved the character because as much as you disagreed with him, you know, you, you had, you, he was that guy, right? That's and so, right. Yeah. And we just don't have that, that, that flexibility now a lot of the time. I don't feel it's just kind of like, I mean, I, I feel for some. Well, I, I think people are are. That's what my point is. I think people are adopting flexibility. I think yeah. they're learning it. They're in the process of learning. It. They haven't learned it yet as a mass, but right. they're getting there. They're they're like in the in the journey, so to speak, of of how do you become more flexible? How do you and, respond differently? How do you explore things and understand things differently? And yeah. I think that that has great long term potential, just because that's a growth path. But you're also talking to a guy that was like literally in a career of nonstop political incorrectness for 25 years and <laughs> mayhem. So I mean, right. you know, like, it's it's from my perspective, I'm like, yeah, anything that's politically in, that's considered politically incorrect now is really off the charts. You know, the way I see it, because it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I get the reasoning behind a lot of it. We don't need bullying. We don't need a lot of the, you know, the. Yeah the bad negative side effects. There's no, you said the one word you said is the best is awareness. I mean, really it's like, but also to be able to be aware of what a joke is, you know? And I just kind of feel like people have lost their freaking sense of humor to a certain degree. I mean, God, I mean, there's, there was a, 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 um, a comedian by the name of Carlos Mencia years ago. And I used to see him on comedy central and stuff, really funny comedian. And some of the things that he would say, like, you know, if you can take a, you can take a joke, you know, sort of thing, like mm-hmm. <laughs> fill in the blank. Um, yeah, that's right. you know, it, it was one of those things that 
the whole audience howled and everybody thought it was all funny. But at the same time, now that that same statement would be considered just, you know, you're, you're running down this, this, this segment of society basically. And it's kind of like, no, it's a joke. Like you should be able to take a joke to a certain degree. And I, and again, I'm a kid, I was a guy that was bullied in school. So, mm. you know, to, to, to hurtful things is a little bit different, but I just, I don't know, to me, I just miss that side. Cause I'm a, I'm a guy that loves going and seeing stand-up comedy and I think it's a dying breed right now. It kind of sucks. It, it, it's, kind of, it, it's like anything else. This goes through cycles. I mean, Jeffrey, by the way, through in another little commentary, he says, would you rather be right or happy? Which kind of summarizes what you're talking about Thank there. On, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't that true? You know? But, but, but let me go back to uh, uh, the point that I was driving before. Cause I want to take it a little bit further. Right, I, yeah, no, that's fine. No, that's okay. That, that's what we do here. That we, we just kind of wander and, and explore and kind of get that, that, that's part of the process. That, that's actually part of the process I'm talking about. Yeah. The more that we explore, the more that we consider other viewpoints, the more that we appreciate perspectives. That's really the biggest part, I think. Appreciation yeah. of perspectives. And, and that comes, I, I used to wonder about that. Where does appreciation of perspective come from? It comes from just doing it. Just uh, well, finding a new perspective, and I never thought about it that way. And then finding another perspective, I never thought about it that way. That's appreciation. As crazy as this sounds, Walt, my aunt was the one that said it to me that woke my ass up, made me just go, oh, really? It was funny because I'd just come back from Florida, and I just had this mindset. It was kind of tunnel vision at the time to a certain degree. I'd gone through a lot through, like, going – I was – I was down there for 9-11 and I had my own little story behind that and was part of the relief effort with Hurricane Katrina and just all these things that happened while I was down there in that decade. And I came back with this very tunnel vision and she turned around and she said to me, yeah, but Corey, you got to realize not everybody thinks like you. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Process, but we get in our own head to that degree that you think that everybody thinks like you, right? And it's not the case. So that's where a lot of, um, I mean, like I said, my background is political, political history, politics, all that kind of stuff. That's where my degree is in. And one of the things you learn there is the mindset of totalitarianism and communism, dictatorships, all that kind of thing. And they all basically amount to one thing: everybody has to think the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's basically what they come down. I mean, yes, they all have their agendas. They all have priorities that they're trying to push. But when you boil it down to the lowest level, they all want everybody to think the same thing. And what they yeah. don't seem to realize, they, they, I think people eventually learn this if you, if they just stick it out long enough with whatever their, their cultish type thing is. And assuming, <laughs> yeah. assuming they actually survive it, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a long assumption. I grant you. But, uh, you know, if you can work your way through the whole thing, they actually get to the point where they realize, you know, if everybody thought, thought the same thing, this would be a really boring world. And when you recognize that, all of a sudden, the whole cult thing starts to fall apart. The whole one thought for everybody starts to fall apart. And you start to appreciate the diversity of thought. You start to appreciate the value of, I don't have to like what it is that you're saying, but I can get something from it. You know, it's funny while you say cult following. And I I was on another podcast with a very interesting podcast host. Her, uh, I'm not going to say her name, but she's a very, very... I guess you could say famous um, adult industry actress. Ah, okay. All right. That gives us a clue. Yeah, she said the funniest thing, and I just chuckled. She said, well, what the – pardon my French. What the – you know what? She goes, "Um, I'm still single at 49 years old. And she's like, you know, even Charles Manson was able to get married. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right? I thought, wow, you know, that's – pretty hardcore but at the same time like somebody that's actually you know that off the charts like you know and you think to yourself 
you know, I'm kind of normal over here and I still haven't been able to find happiness in a relationship. But even Charles Manson, who was that tunnel vision about his cult, his cult following and everything, even he was able to pull it off. So what's wrong with me? It's just funny. I just chuckle about it because you get to this age. I mean, I'm 52 now and I've gone through one marriage and I probably will, probably will be my last one. You just never know. But, but it's just kind of like I, I, for once, actually, this is the weirdest thing is, is now that I'm single, I don't have, I only have two really or three family members that I even communicate with anymore. So my life's Mm. been kind of isolated in this last couple of years in a lot of ways. Mm. And, but the funny thing is, is through that process of detaching from everything and actually not really caring so much about what other people think anymore. And kind of like Mm. going, whatever it takes to just do my dream. If I've got to go work at 7-Eleven to make the money to be able to make this happen, I'll do that. I don't really care what anybody thinks anymore. Whereas I used to always be so worried about what, what everybody else thought. And mm. I think that we really get that way a lot, especially again with our airbrushed world and social media. Oh, my hair is messed up. Uh, I can't, you know, put a picture on social media because I'm not perfect. And it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. I just come back to that a little bit where it's just that, that whole mentality of, of basically just wanting to please others mm. and not taking the time to really work on you. And that's, so that really comes back to, I really believe, especially in this time where we're coming out of a pandemic or we're still in a pandemic sort of coming out, whatever the hell we're doing. And at the same time, it's kind of like, I, I feel like that there's been a, a bit of a gift with that whole situation to where it's given people a lot of time to take mm. that step back and go, Hey, you know, maybe I really do need to start working on some things about me that have been sure. holding me back from my true yeah. potential or maybe blocks that I've had or whatever it is. And the people that have utilized that time are going to come out the other end of this, I believe, having a far better quality of life. Because I think that for myself, I feel like I have a better quality of life now because I'm good with my authentic self. And mm-hmm. when you're an open book and you got really nothing to hide, and I mean, I pulled every freaking skeleton out of my closet when I wrote my book. I mean, they all just came flying out of there, you know? So now that they're all out, I don't know. I just don't, it's like a weight just went right off. Yeah, sure. Wait, you knew, you kind of knew it was there, but you really didn't know what it was. And then it came came off and you said, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I wish I'd done that before. I didn't know what it was, but I'm glad it's gone now. Yeah. My, my coach at the time, Diana said to me, I remember she was saying to me, cause I was having this real harsh block actually. And it was really weird because, um, I always said to her, I said, I, I can't tell you how many times in my lifetime that I've felt like I'm climbing a mountain and I, I get to the three quarter mark and then some boot comes and kicks my ass back down again. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to walk back up the bloody mountain again. I can't remember how many times this has happened to me. And I said, I said to her, I said, I feel like there's a weird subconscious block in here somewhere. And it's like, I've kept blaming it on family members from my past and always passing this off on something else. And I'm really just trying to figure it out. And she said, Oh, she goes, well, how, what was it that maybe was it somebody that was close to you in your life that might've said something to you that affected you? And I said, yeah, I was like, was pretty young when my, when my grandmother who raised me turned around and said, you're a follower, you're never going to be a leader. I think I mentioned this on one of your other podcasts as well, but it was very interesting that that particular, just that statement and what she did was she flipped the whole thing right over on me and turned around and said, well, Hey, you know, your homework tonight is to actually make you first off to find what a leader is. And I told her what my definition was. And then when she turned around and said, well, now give me a def, give me a time when your when your grandparents who raised you were leaders in your life. And when she actually did that and actually showed me that my grandmother who 
God, she was an amazing mother. She did everything in all the mom role, but she really wasn't a leader. And so mm. when I, when she defined that to me and threw that back in my face, it was amazing because I realized it wasn't about me. Right. And when I realized that, that was where the block went gone. Yeah. And that's so very cool. Weird. You know, so it's connecting those dots. And so that's why I love so much doing this for other people now as well, because those are those dots that you don't even know are there. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's cool to see that process happen. So at the end of the day, when somebody writes with me, they're not just getting a great book, but they're actually getting something that changes their whole perspective as far as the way they look at their failures or maybe their mistakes in their past, or maybe even their, 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 you know, things that they've done really well with. It gives you a different perspective. Right. And so by connecting those dots, that's where I became that role model that it's just changed everything. Right. And I never dreamed I would be doing this. What, what, what you're actually describing from my perspective anyway, is the growth process. I mean, that's really what your story just illustrated beautifully. And it yep. did it in a, in a real feel environment because everybody can identify with, you know, a, a grandmother or a parent figure or somebody who played a major influence in their lives. And they found out later on that part of that influence really wasn't appropriate for them or they made to, they had to switch it around or flip it or something like that. Everybody can kind of identify with that on one level or another. I yeah. see that growth pattern happening so often. Now, probably part of that is because I do a podcast where I interview all these people who have been on these life journeys and have experienced all these crazy things happening. And they were close to, you know, they were close to uh, suicide or, you know, yeah. they, they lost everything or whatever. And then they turned it around. And they had a big, you know, so you interview enough people like that. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of growth going on, but yeah. I'm also seeing it in the wider society. I, I'm seeing it. You, you mentioned the Facebook groups, right? You can look yep. at the Facebook groups. You can look at the uh, the commentary, and, and you, you kind of shake, shake your head. I do the same thing. I shake my head looking at some of the stuff that people write. <laughs> I'm just but, here even, but even in the head shaking, I can also look at some of those same commentary and realize I can see where that person did some growth there. I can see where this person do, did some growth there. This person's doing some growth right now. This person's approaching the growth. They haven't got there yet, but you can see they're like two steps away from it. I'm seeing it all over the place now. So again, yeah. I think perspective really is a big piece of it. What are you looking at? I, I, if I'm going to be looking at all the different ways that people are disconnected or polarized from each other, whatever, I'll find those. But I think you can also find the other side. There's a lot of growing Absolutely. going on right now, huge amounts of growing. And, and again, that's the internet showing us this in a way that we never would have seen before. I, I truly believe that we all agree more than we disagree. I still believe that I still believe in the power of positivity. I think that even the one, the people that are right radicals on the one, one side or the other of situations, if we can just, you know, the, some people are just lost causes. I'm not going to lie. Like there's some people that are just <laughs> not there, but there's um, the majority. And I would say that the vast majority of people, if we have a deeper understanding of what they see their life through, like, you know, I mean, like I said, I may be completely on the other side of the political or religious spectrum from somebody, but you know, I have done this where I've reached out to a friend of mine that I, you know, was from the Southern U S that had a little bit of a different mentality than me, mm -hmm. but I had to try to understand why he felt the way that he did because we had so many conversations that we agreed on so many things and i just sat there and I said well what what does it really come down to ryan like i'm not i'm not even here to argue i don't want to argue I, that's not what i'm here to do i'm just trying to understand can you just please let me know and when he did like he it really did drill down to the money and putting food on his plate was the end of the day like he was it often does and yeah. so i just said okay you know like might not be I, I may completely disagree with the way that you think about it but i do understand why you feel that sure. way now we can move on and be cool 
But yeah. now but it's just, it just feels like there's just so many, like every time you, the, the, you're on, especially on bloody social media, it's just like you throw one comment out and then somebody's just jabbing back at you and don't really, they don't really understand what you're trying, the message you're trying to convey. So I don't know. I just, again, that's what I love about this industry now in particular, because I, I, I don't know. I just, I felt that. I didn't want to end up going to my grave being the guy that has on his gravestone. He was a 25 year male exotic dancer. Like I really wanted to actually give more than that from my mm-hmm. opinion and my message. And there's a lot that, that, that was in my message in my book that entertains and everybody that's read it so far from what I understand has liked it. So it's, it's, but it's just getting it out there. Right. And yeah. that's the thing, right? It's, it's a, so I'm now going on a book tour. It starts this weekend. So I'm trying really? to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually, um, doing my home, my, my town here, uh, Kelowna, here in British Columbia. And then, um, on the Sunday, I'm going to Penticton, which is about an hour away. And uh-huh. then each weekend throughout the summer, I'm just basically going down to the coast and Vancouver and hitting all the, like our Barnes and Noble is basically chapters Indigo. So that's where I'm booked for all of them. So Excellent. yeah, I'm just, just out there doing it because the bottom line is, is that you can sit there and play like Jimi Hendrix in your freaking basement all day long. But unless you get that out there to the world, nobody even knows who the hell you are. So to me, I'm just in my own way. Maybe it's a little bit old school, but I'm just getting out there and doing some book signings. This actually points towards something that was part of a conversation I had with an employee of the gardening business I run for Louise, who we just let go because he really wasn't doing the job. Mm. And I I was asking myself why this guy was having so much trouble. And I I finally concluded what I kind of had assumed all along, but I I realized that my conclusion really was valid. He just didn't love the work. He didn't love it at all. He, he really disliked it. And, and I knew what he wanted to do. He, he was a college student. He was basically doing this as a summer job. Mm-hmm. And what, I had asked him during the interview, what, you know, what are you pursuing your college career? And he wants to be in marketing. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that much about him. So on the day when I'm taking the tools back and firing the guy, I said to him, do you mind if I ask you a question? He says, yeah, well, all right. And he's kind of, you know, he's pretty sullen and, and all that, but he's wanting to hear what the question is. So I said, why do you love marketing? Why do you love the idea of doing a career in marketing? And he brightened up. And he said, well, it's because I like the idea of being creative. Yes. And I said, okay, that I can understand that. So what have you done toward getting into the creative field of getting into the marketing field? Have you tried to pursue that? Well, I was planning to do an internship next year. I said, do it this year. Yeah. What are you jump. waiting for? Jump. And, and then I said to him, don't pursue the money. Pursue yeah. the love. Yeah. That's the truth. I, I spent so many years pursuing the money. It was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life. And yep. now that I understand the difference, I want other people to know. So I, I actually took advantage of an opportunity to help somebody who needed to hear, go after what you love. And that's the reason awesome. I say that is that's what you're doing. You're doing this book tour following your love. Now, let's be honest, going into bookshops where th- this isn't like, you know, um, Dan Brown releasing his latest novel and there are people lined up in the streets, nope. right? You go into bookshop, nobody even knows who you are. There's probably nope. nobody even waiting for you there. So it, it's it's kind of a, an ego tester to go do this kind of thing. You love oh. what you're doing so much that you don't even care about that. Oh, yeah. And on top of that, I'm going to walk around in the bookstore in a G-string. <laughs> are you really? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> that would get some clients now. No, but and I'm we just, get attention anyway, yeah. We get some attention. But no, but but for real, actually, like all kidding aside, 
it is funny because I was just chatting with management with these stores and stuff, and they all said the same thing. You can sit there with your books at your table and wait for clients to come up to buy books, but they a lot of those authors don't sell a damn thing. You've got to be bold enough to walk around and be like, oh, welcome in. How are you doing today? What are you looking for? Memoir? I have a great memoir. <laughs> <You know, laughs> throw it right at them because like, it, it's just, it's, it's a best selling book for a reason. You can write the best book on the planet, but at the same time, it doesn't, it has to sell and it has to be, you got to get it out there. And even if it's incremental and I'm doing that, I'm obviously out promoting my coaching program at the same time because there's only so much money in books. But at the same time, it's like, it's all for the same purpose, Walt. And I'm going to say this, like, look, I mean, you know, I'm not, where I need to be financially yet. I'm not going to lie. Like I go through my struggles just as much as many of us do. We're going through inflation out, out the yin yang right now. Gas sure. and everything else is going crazy. Like it's, it's tough out there, but at the same time, like do, okay, this is where I bring in my morality and my integrity. I have vast sales experience. I was a former financial advisor. I've handled portfolios. Like, I mean, mm. I've done all this stuff in the, the sales realm. And I have like, I'm talking consulting for phone companies and all this, like my resume is a mile freaking long from my sales. But the thing is I could go today and apply for the major corporation and get sure. into a role. And I could take that job and probably be making enough to very, very comfortably live on top of that, probably have all my medical and my dental benefits and all yeah, the things. Absolutely. I all the perks. Probably go get it right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, but I continue the struggle. Why do I continue the struggle? Because I am actually going out and working a job right now. I've been doing it for the last few weeks. It's killing my body, but I'm doing it for more than one reason. Actually, I, I want to learn it a little bit from my own place, but I've been out landscaping like with a friend. Oh, okay. And, and I know it's not pretty. It's not a career, but it's, well, well, we're in my, this is, this is the company I run for my wife. It's a gardening business. So we're kind of in the same realm there. Right. But the thing is I have the flexibility to go and do my book tour. I can take off whenever I want any day. Like today mm -hmm. I had a podcast with you. I took it off because I just yeah. was like, it, right. Like, I, thank I, you I for that, by the way. Well, but I mean, what I'm saying is though, is, is that that, but I woke up this morning with my back literally bent over. Like I was feeling like I was going to be crippled. Okay. Mm. So like, that was what I'm saying. It's like I'm putting myself work. through a lot of pain. Am I, I could go and not have that back pain, but I'm taking the pain because my mission for my business is just that important that I'm not going to go and commit to somebody else and give them the false hope that I'm going to be a salesperson for them for the next five years. And I'm going to build a career with their company and tell them everything that they need to know to get a paycheck for the next few months and then screw them over. That's just not the type of person I am. I'm not going to do that to another person out there. I don't want to do that to a company. So I, I want to take the backbreaking labor and I'll continue to do it until these coaching clients that I have on board come to fruition next month. And if it takes me going out there every friggin' day and doing it, I will still do that because it's just, it keeps me, I guess you could say like, I, I feel like my I'm, I'm intact with my core values mm -hmm. when I'm doing that. Right. And it makes me feel good about what I'm doing. And it's a struggle, man. It's going to, and I mean, and I don't know what the end destination is. I could end up going out there and not selling a bloody book or having anybody freaking come to me for, for coaching, but I don't know until I try. Right. So you got to, got to get yourself out there. And I'm, I'm just, this is just my one step in that direction. And so whatever it takes, I don't care, you know, start eating craft dinner every day if I've got to, but I don't, well, you know. well, plus you're, you're using a word without actually saying the word that is an old fashioned word. It almost doesn't even get used today, but the word is mm. integrity. You, you, you're, you're, basically you're acting on what 
is integral to you as a person. That's where the word integrity comes from. What is integral to you? And what's integral to you is you have certain ways that you're willing to uh, work with and behave with others and others you are not willing to, and you stick to that. That That's yep. the integrity part of it. Boundary. Yeah. yeah. No, and I'll tell you this, Walt, I mean, we've got about 10 minutes left, but I don't want to sit here and just sit there sound like I'm promoting all day long. But Well, it's okay. Is, we do a lot of that here. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part of the book that is like one of my pillars in my book is on integrity. And it's because it's, it's in fact one of the biggest transition points in my life that that I wrote about in the book. And basically my book's a lot about, it's not all about stripper stories and swinging things around and freaking dancing. It's, it's, it's actually a lot. And that's how you get people to read the book. Yeah. (laughs) But but it's actually more really about relationships. And Mm -hmm. for myself, like I had such a heavy disconnect emotionally. The relationships were really, really hard. But mm. I did have a really deep connection with this one girl that, that, that she was in when I was in my early 20s. And we got, we connected as well, I was a dancer and she saw me as a dancer and she was beautiful. And I went, oh, she's like a perfect girl and all the stuff that came with the territory. Right. And we had an on and off relationship for many, many years. And but I had was a component of her that she was just so unique. And I really like even just a touch of her hand. Like it was like I could I could it could be today and I could, she could be a million miles away. If I, I could feel the touch of her hand. I know it was her. Like I was just yeah. that type of person. Right. Yeah. So, and, and the crazy thing was, as years went by and of course I ended up in Florida and you know, she, we, her and I split and she ended up in a situation where she became a dancer herself and she became a big feature and all this stuff happened, but years went by and I was out on the road and I was in little rock, Arkansas, Mm. Two times that I was in Little Rock, Arkansas, two great stories from there. But anyways, <laughs> but one was the, 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 that I happened to show up there and I had just met my now former ex-wife. I'd met her about a month before this incident happened. And I didn't say anything to my ex-wife about this until the book was written. So this is just mm. a couple, just like this year she wow. heard this story. She yeah. never knew this. This was one of the big skeletons that came out of the closet. Mm-hmm. But what happened was... We were, we were, me and Monica, my ex-wife, we were in our first month of our relationship. I was out on the road. She was back at my house in Florida and she was all in love with the superstar and she was so happy to be <laughs> together with me. And well, I loved her. She was a great girl, but she had like, you know, she was basically brought up in, in crap. Like she basically had a horrible life. She had tons of abuse sexually, physically, mentally. She had a lot of problems, mm-hmm. but I really loved that person. Mm-hmm. And so sure. she was sitting back at my house. And I go on the road to Little Rock, Arkansas, and then who shows up, calls me out of the blue, but my ex that I was talking about, the touch right. of the hand. So she calls me up, and she's like, I don't have, suppose you'd happen to be working in Little Rock, Arkansas tonight. And I was like, uh, yes, I would be happening to. And she was like, oh, okay, I'm going to come down and see you. So she shows up at my show, and she's just working down the street. And all of a sudden, we're back connected again, and she's kind of wanting to form a relationship with me. Mm. And she literally like threw it out at me. Um, and we went back to her hotel and she calls her now ex, but at the time she was still together with this guy and they had a kid together and everything. And she calls him up at the end of the call. She turned around and she was like, love you and hung up. And I stood there in that second and thought to myself, my girlfriend who 
loves me with everything inside of her and we've only been together for a month and we're fresh and we're in that honeymoon stage and all the rest of that stuff. But she's authentically loves me for the person that I am with no games, no bullshit, nothing. And this girl who I have this major passion for, and there's a lot of lust there. She just hung up the phone and said, I love you to her partner while she's wanting to get with me in her hotel room right now. Right. So there was an very stark at that point. Very. And so many years, my friend, I sat there and thought, did I make the right move? Because I ended up staying with my ex-wife and we, me and this other girl, we did sleep together that night, but we did not have sex. We actually stayed in the same hotel room. We slept together, but we didn't do anything. And I gave her a kiss the next morning and said, bye. And that was it. And I moved on and went the integrity route. Hmm. And that integrity route gave me so much pain financially and so many struggles. And I ended up in a divorce that I ended up on an eight year force gump walk afterwards and everything hmm. else. And all those years went by and I always wondered what would it have been like if I took the other road, I would have been completely financially set. Right. And I thought to myself, did I make the wrong move? And here's the irony of that. One of the, one of my biggest fans when I wrote my book was, the ex that actually, with the touch of the hand, she was actually, she still is one of my biggest fans. I love her to death. She's a great person. She's married, got a couple of kids, the whole nine down there in the Seattle area. My point behind it is that when she read the book, she actually said to me, I want to let you know something. And I was like, what's that? She said, you made the right decision when it came to that butterfly wow. moment. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah. She goes, although you might have thought that it was going to be a better road, I was really messed up at that time. And prob we probably wouldn't have ended up making it. So she was like, you took the right road. And it's interesting because those feelings and all those emotions and those thoughts, they were in the back of my head like luggage for so sure. long. Oh, yeah. Right? But now that that's cleared, it's like, it's just weird how it just another layer. Yeah dropped right off right and that's why i called my book take it off because it really actually is all about taking those layers off whether it's taking them off to really find your true self based off your core values and really addressing those things that you might not have addressed before or just trying to go kind of going back into time and going hey you know this happened and i still feel pain about it because i have had honestly walt i've had situations where i've been doing the most mundane shit sitting outside shoveling snow in december at my place here and i'm doing something that i'm not thinking or you know in the shower or whatever just something you're not having you're just kind of in that zone and i've been and then i think about some time when i got bullied when i was in my teens and i get that mm -hmm. gut feeling and it's just like mm -hmm. that overwhelming negative energy and it's hitting in my and i'm hitting on that arc of intense energy and the freaking the guts killing me and 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 i'm going literally back in time and bringing these negative memories back into my head so i, I and it's now that awareness that i have i'm like oh why are you doing this to yourself that was like 20 years ago. Like, why are you even thinking about these thoughts right now? Or why are you being triggered like this? And usually I can go into something that I have in the present day in the now and determine that there is something else that's happening right now that's making me think of these unworthy thoughts. It's making me think that I, I don't, I'm undeserving maybe of success because I was told that I was shit by some guy when I was young and he pounded the hell out of me in high school or something. So I still kind of believe that because it's so embedded. Right. Mm -hmm. and I, yeah, yeah. And so it's just that awareness now. It's like, it's always going to be there. Like I can't change it. You can't erase the memory, but at the same time, when you're aware of why it's popping up, 
then you can kind of make that shift and take that reset. And I take that step back and go walk in nature for a little while and figure it out. Right. So, well, well you we, also got a great gift out of that too. That, that story, you had an experience <clears throat> that most people don't get. No. You got to see what the other path was going to be like. I mean, you yeah. didn't actually see the whole path, but you no, found no, out what the result was. And it wasn't what your, your imagination said it was. It was yeah. actually, you made the right choice and you didn't realize it at the time. We don't often get that kind of feedback, but you got it. That's, the that, that, that's, that's something really worth celebrating. That's really something. Oh, shit. That's the beauty of writing a memoir, man. Like, you know, as much as I wanted to hide under the covers when that thing got released, I was sitting there just going, Oh my God, no. the world now knows everything. But man, you know, when you get that response and, yeah. and it's just, to me, but then again, on the other side of it, if you don't get the response from the people that are really close to you that you want the support from family members or whatever it is, you got to be able to discipline your disappointment too and realize that maybe they just, you know, they have their own reasonings for not supporting you, right? You can't, because though they normalize you or whatever it might be, right? So now when I see the perfect stranger out there and I'm telling them about what I do, they're like, oh, tell me more. Talk mm -hmm. to my family about it. They're just like, whatever, Corey, go get a job. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think what we're really talking about here is learning the process of growth itself. We've been talking about growth, but now we're in learning the process of growth. And when yeah. you learn the process of growth, well, this is one of the best things I learned from um, David Strickle, who is a, he's like uh, Esther Hicks. Esther okay. Hicks channels Abraham. He channels the stream of David. And I actually learned this from the stream of David, from the, the Abraham side, so to speak. Okay. Um, but their basic teaching in this particular instance was try to look at things from source perspective. Don't look at things from the human perspective. Take a step way, way, way back and kind of look at it from the way source energy would look at it and try to right. understand from that viewpoint. And right. it, it's a very powerful exercise uh, because what ends up happening when you do that exercise is you realize how these problems, these situations, these old tapes that play in our heads, the, these things that traumatize us, when you take a, a step far enough back, you realize they aren't all that big. No. They, they, they felt big. They seemed big. It, it, they appeared big, but they really weren't all that big. It's, it's yeah, like man. the difference between being in a car accident and seeing a car accident from a mile away. Like, oh, two cars hit. Whereas, oh my God, it's two entirely yeah. different experiences. Bang on. Like, and I, I know I talked about this before, but I won't go into it forever. But I'm just saying, like, when I went to the Philippines a couple of years ago, and I jumped into Kawasan Falls. I mean, 15 meter jump into a waterfall. I would never have done that 10 years ago. No way. Mm -hmm. Like, I would have just been like, forget about it. But again, it came down to that clarity and what you're talking about are the little things that you make so much bigger. And I've, I've said this about my experience on the Ferris wheel as a kid and getting thrown on there by my aunt and my uncle and, you know, take them taking me to the fair and leaving me stranded at the top of this thing, crying my freaking eyes out mm -hmm. and losing it and being so scared of heights and then realizing 20 years later, I wasn't at the fair at all. She was just plugged a quarter in at the mall and I was like seven feet tall. <laughs> sitting right? Like, I'm just saying, like, it's so right. much bigger than what it is because I'm just a little yeah. person at that time, right? Right? But exactly. when you're older and then you go back to your elementary school and you see those little desks and you see those little hallways and all that stuff, you realize that the perspective that you had from that age was so overblown on Very so many different. things. And yeah. I always kind of come to that because it's, it's really, it did make a difference for me because like when I, when I think now like about, you know, what my, where, where I'm, my fears right now, like what mm. I'm, what I'm maybe scared of as far as, you know, the inner critic saying maybe you're over your head or whatever it is mm -hmm. and all those things that, that keeps hitting you all the time. I got to realize that I have growth to do still and I got to go and jump. I got to expand it. I got to get out of that comfort zone because that fear is not 
serving me in any way. And all those memories, right. whether it be bullying or all that shit is not serving me in any way. And it's my obligation, not only to myself, but the people that are around me to make sure that I become the best version of myself and I'm not projecting off negative energy unto them. Cause that's what I've done before in my past as well. You know, mm -hmm. like just having a shitty sales week or something and slamming my desk, <clears throat> my headset, freaking out, blaming everybody else for my problems, but me, you know, so yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I can go on for days on this subject. Jeez. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, in the, like last show, it was all about the last because, well, first of all, you were telling us all these really wild stories and somewhat rushy <laughs> stories too. First time, it was getting to know who you were and, and all that. This time, we're getting to know more about your practice and, and what you're doing with your clientele and what you're doing with yourself. And, and so this has been just like another different but wonderful experience. Wow. So Dude, thank you for, for joining us. Every time we've done this, I'm like, as soon as we get done, I'm like over to your calendar and I'm like, schedule. Can we do it again? <laughs> I, 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 I'm serious. You and Debbie, you guys both have great podcasts and, and I actually like, I truly enjoy jumping on with you guys. I feel like I'm literally sitting there in, in space with you. So no, it's great, man. Like all the way around. And I enjoy doing podcasts in general, but each one, you know, has a little bit different, but we just have such a casual vibe that I just truly enjoy every minute of it. So I wouldn't, yeah, I took the day off. Screw it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> this is great. Excellent. Well, we're, we're looking forward to the next time you're going to be on the show. It's going to be a great thing. I'm really sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. And you know, like I'll, I'll throw my little pitch in there as well. Take it off.ca. Go get my yeah. book. It's not only, it's actually the great thing is, is that, that overpriced bloody paperback, you don't have to pay all that money for it anymore. You can get a Kindle version. Of get it. a Kindle. Yeah. There you yeah, go. At least you don't have to spend the money on the bloody thing, but yeah, <laughs> the, the, just the price of shipping and freaking printing and everything right now is so ridiculous. And if you're trying yeah. to send from Canada to the U.S., oh God. Yeah. You don't need that. Don't need yeah, that. No. Well, thank you very much. This has been great. And thank you to our yeah. podcast listeners everywhere. Thank you to the live streamers as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA today. Goodbye, everybody.